0: podcast will contain spoilers. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Please Don't Make Me Watch. This week you can expect parental panic,
0: jazz hands,
1: haircut wizardry
0: and intense chimney watching.
1: What have you been up to this week? Anything exciting? Anything fun? Anything fresh?
0: Um, I'm in a book.
1: Yes. This oh. is quite exciting. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we should
0: read it. Um, And when I say I'm in it, I'm in the acknowledgements. Because, hey, like, it comes. I have to do research for it. So that's exciting and it's called Difficult Women. And it's by the amazing Helen Lewis and um, it's genuinely like a very, very, very good book. So I would recommend. Yeah. Um, it's about women in history who like made massive leaps in gender equality and stuff but yet are really difficult people Mm -hmm. so some of them are like difficult in like a strong and empowering way but some of them are difficult in terms of like they're just dicks
1: examples
0: um so there's a woman called marie stopes who yeah started the first birth control clinic in england and she's like very very influential and um is basically the reason that we have free and accessible birth control around england which is like mind-bogglingly changing and liberating for women and she did that because she was a eugenicist and she believed that we should like filter people out until they um uh were racially pure Mm. and she also disinherited her own son because he got engaged to a girl who wore glasses and she was like glasses aren't pure enough so again like a difficult person yeah (laughs) and a difficult woman but like changed everyone's lives basically the point of the book is that um feminist idols and like idols for quality have to be perfect and we like make them be perfect and we like whitewash anyone who's not perfect out but actually men are allowed to have difficult people in history like the history of music has difficult people in it and we still allow them to be geniuses and like the history of literature and the history of film all of that kind of stuff and we criticize them and yet respect their work Mm. whereas um in like equality people are like, well, they were a dick in this way, so we have to forget everything that they did. And we have to like, not acknowledge that they were an important person in our history, and we try to change that, yeah. which I think is awesome. So yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's good. Would recommend. Yay. I'll sign it for you if you want. <laughs> Yay, what have you been up to?
1: Um, I went to see The Cellist um, with the Royal Ballet um, a couple of weeks ago, which is, so essentially there were two ballets on, on the ticket. The first was Dances at a Gathering, which is by Jerome Robbins, which is a guy who the guy who choreographed West End Story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's essentially a bunch of dancers set to some Chopin piano music. It's quite boring. But then okay. the cellist, <laughs> which is a brand new ballet about the life of the cellist Jacqueline Dupre, oh,
0: like was that.
1: exceptional. Oh, really? It was okay. amazing. And the way they do it and the way the dancing kind of really evokes the music because they use pieces that she's very famous for having recorded, specifically the Elgar Cello Concerto. And her cello is a dancer, so there was a dancer playing the cello oh, that's cool. it's and visually it's stunning it flew by it's only about an hour but it felt about 20 minutes long it's incredibly good
0: oh wow okay
1: um i think it's just closed now unfortunately but if it if it comes back or if it tours just go and see it it's it's one of those things you sort of walk out you're like that. some similar reaction to had when i walked out of Parasite. Like, i was like that can't be that good that can't be that good mm-hmm. I,
0: Amazing couple of weeks. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, like I've I've seen a lot, but it's <laughs> yeah I I'm th- I'm thoroughly so I'm so glad I went to see it. I've actually weirdly though that's like brand new ballet. I've just booked tickets to go see Swan Lake in April, so oh, which would be lovely. Swan I do Lake. love Swan Lake. Yeah. It's my favorite of the Chike three. So really, yeah. Why? I think because it's got the best music and it's got the best story and it's got the best oboe part. Oh
0: okay. <laughs>
1: it's a very selfish reason, but.
0: I think the nutcracker will always
1: win for me mm.
0: because it's so nostalgic it is nice and beautiful.
1: but at the same time i just i don't know i just think swan lake i was in swan lake as a kid so
0: okay
1: it's got a, it's got a special place for me
0: i like it but sometimes i get a bit bored of all the swans mm.
1: it's
0: like okay we've got it's leg swans i'm done with the swans yeah
1: i mean it's called swan I mean, it's lake
0: beautiful. like i can't really criticize it yeah sometimes occasionally you're like mm, the too many swans has, like All of these different things in it. (laughs) Turkish coffee. Amazing. What's the other one? There's so many other dances in that random sequence when all the sweets come out in the kingdom of the sweets.
1: Oh, yeah. There's Sugar Fairy. Sugar
0: Fairy is a classic. Then there's the Turkish coffee, which is, like, really slow and, like...
1: Yeah.
0: ...eastern and then...
1: I can't remember. There are the other the
0: Russian ones. one. The
1: Russian one, yeah. I can't remember
0: what but this is
1: the thing: is but... I feel like I saw Sleeping Beauty just before Christmas, and Sleeping Beauty has a lot of these kind of sets of dances. But so it's not sleeping... as good, though. No, because they drag the plot down. because yeah, at the really wedding do, for like, some red red reason. Riding
0: in wolf, and you're like, why are you here?
1: Why is Puss in Boots here? Yeah, it should have ended an hour ago. Yeah, I. There's agree. a reason that I think especially with Sleeping Beauty. A lot of the time, when you see it, it's abridged. Yeah,
0: hundred like, percent. Because Sleeping Beauty is actually just dull. Because she's sleeping most of the time. I like, know. What are you gonna do with her? Whereas, I, I love Coppelia. Coppelia is like my really favourite.
1: I love Rise Spring. I want
0: to see Rise
1: Spring. I really want to see Rise Spring. Like, I've played it twice, but I really want to see it.
0: Isn't that the one where people go mad? Yes. Because it's got, like, a lot of stories around it about how
1: Yeah, it's go the go one that apparently incited really? a riot at its premiere, and people that think it's it. to do with the music, but probably it's actually to do with the choreography. The choreography is very angular, and it's very not ballet-like.
0: Oh, I see.
1: Um, but the music is incredible. Um, it's about, kind of... A pagan ritual for the coming of spring, where someone dances herself to death.
0: Yeah, exactly. Sorry, that's why I thought they're like story about ballerinas going mad while they were like doing it. Nah, I
1: really uh, and but I, I think there was one protection that did it. That essentially, that all the cast had to learn, all the main cast had to learn the sacrificial dance, which is really hard because the time scene changed every time. And on the night, they would just have a board yeah, up, God. spin a wheel, and be like, "Right, Steve's doing the sacrificial dance. Oh now, God. Esther's doing it. Have fun." That is pressure, though, like...
0: Yeah, wow. I know. But exciting.
1: Exciting. Speaking of exciting, on with this week.
0: Yay.
1: So, my TV this week, I think, is a new British classic. I think it is, is one of those... It's series.
0: not even new anymore, you know? No. Nine years ago.
1: But I think, I think that it's one of those series that people are still talking about. Yeah. And that is kind of very much held up as, with Line of Duty, a pinnacle of British crime drama. Yeah. And that is Broadchurch. Broadchurch is a British crime drama broadcast between 2013 and 2017, um, created by Chris Chibnall. It stars David Tennant as Alec Hardy and Olivia Colman as Ellie Miller, two detectives who are trying to initially solve the murder of a young boy found on the beach. It also stars Jodie Whittaker, um, Andrew Buchan and Arthur Darville, as well as in later series, Vicky McClure and um, Julia Hall. Also Jonathan
0: Bailey.
1: Jonathan Bailey's also in it, yes. I really like him, sorry. Um, <laughs> this is a series I think that I... I watched when I was still living at home and it it's it's very good and I like that what they do with it is similar to what Line of Duty does is that when the next series comes it progresses the story. It is like it? Like it very much kind of it's it's not the same crime done slightly differently it yeah. is the next step in the story and yeah. it's why it only ran for three series. It's because the story is done by the end of series three.
0: Right, okay. Um, so... I enjoyed this, obviously, because it's great. Yeah. Um, I knew a lot about it before. I think I've actually been told who does the murder, but I can't remember, so that's good. And please good. tell me. That is good. And um, I knew a lot about it. I've heard David Tennant and Everett Coleman talking on David Tennant's podcast, which is awesome, mm-hmm. um, about it, and about how the cast used to put bets on who it was.
1: Yes, because Olivia Coleman
0: got told her agent she knew who it was, but she forgot. So she was like merrily putting bets on, like left, right, and center. And then David Tennant's agent was talking to Olivia Coleman's agent and was like, "Isn't it funny how like none of them know who it is?" And Olivia Coleman's agent was like, "Oh yeah, but Olivia knows." And then David Tennant's agent told David, and he like stormed into her trailer and was (laughs) like, "You know, I can't (laughs) believe, and you've been paying money on it. That's outrageous!" And Olivia Coleman was like, "What?" "What?" yeah, I like that I story. can just imagine,
1: imagine that conversation. I
0: know, isn't it? Great. Um, uh, I knew it as the like, role that brought Olivia Colman to like public consciousness. I think, basically. I think it's,
1: it's that and Tyrannosaur that's the film that she did directed by Paddy Constant which I haven't seen but yeah, I really want to. Yeah,
0: but, but I feel like Tyrannosaur is like, as in probably brought her to critical consciousness mm. but I feel like this brought her to like public sweetheart. I
1: think necessarily not public sweetheart but it's also it's Olivia Colman dramatic actress.
0: Yeah, because, like, his in, but yeah. like, people loved her. Oh yeah, like people would talk about all, her all the time after this. Mm.
1: And I think, I think it's, it's also because it's like, look at the range this actress has. Yeah, like, she's awesome. She doesn't just do comedy. She does this kind of quite heavy, especially in bits of church, very heavy drama. Oh, the
0: crime is so horrible. Oh yeah. Um, Jodie Whittaker, excellence.
1: This is this is what initially alerted me to Jodie Whittaker. Is I I saw her in this, and then saw her in Attack Block. And it was when it was announced that she was then going to be the next Doctor, I was like, perfect choice. Absolutely I've, I've, perfect choice. I've
0: seen her in, like, Tess of the Durbervilles and stuff like that, like, really random I've seen stuff.
1: her in... I uh, never knew how to pronounce that. I was like, how... how It doesn't roll off the tongue, right? Really. Tess of the Durbervilles.
0: Tess of the Durbervilles.
1: Yeah, because I thought it was Tess of Durbervilles, because that's how it sounds.
0: Anyway, yeah. Um, it was great. And um, I like the sense of a small town and, like, how it how it impacts people, different people in the town. Yeah. And the idea of, like the news reporter who- and everyone's related to each other mm. so no one can escape from this and the- like crime and it's not like anyone can just be like oh okay well this happened- you know
1: yeah no one
0: remains unscathed yeah everyone's touched by it in some sort of way and the family's grief felt real which was good yeah. because sometimes it just feels silly yeah whereas this one felt like properly real real yeah. and,
1: I, and I think that also I, I want to give a shout out to the music yeah. I think the music in this is very good, written by Olaf Arnold. And I I, I just think it kind of it adds to the atmosphere. It's very, in a way, it's going to sound weird, it's very Scandinavian in its presentation.
0: Yeah, I didn't know some people say that at the time. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, and I, I feel like it's very much kind of a British take on a Scandi crime drama. It's the British The Killing, I
0: think, yeah. is the best
1: way to look at it. I have seen The Killing. I have seen The Killing. I prefer The Bridge.
0: Okay.
1: But you have okay, seen, the seen The Bridge, enough. so. Um, I think that it, it very much kind of... Exists in that sort of realm. It doesn't necessarily feel like crime dramas that we've seen before, as the British public. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of things after it are trying to be the next Broadchurch. And I think that there's a couple of series, especially recently, interestingly, some of them even starring David Tennant, yeah. where they have tried to be the next Broadchurch.
0: Yeah, and I don't think they do it as well. No,
1: and I and I think it's because you haven't got that central lock in the middle, which is David Tennant and Olivia Coleman. Because I think their dynamic is so good.
0: I actually think, yes, but I almost think the script writing is what... As in, the script writing is so good in Mm. this in terms of it creates realistic and, like, sympathetic characters everywhere. And I don't feel like they're relying on the crime for drama. No. In a way. Like, it's a portrait of a village, it's not a portrait of a crime. Yeah. Which is more important. And I think a lot of the other Mm. series get obsessed with, like...
1: The crime itself. The crime
0: rather than the people.
1: And I do think that...
0: Like, um, the... nothing shocked me in the first episode. No. I think that's good. Yeah. Whereas most crime dramas want you to be shocked and they're like, oh my god, plug this. But
1: I feel like the shocks definitely kind of build as the series progresses. And especially, I think, when you're going to series two and three how the shocks change and how the shocks build.
0: No, but I mean, as in it's good, I, yeah. as in it's a good thing that it didn't have any shocking? Yeah,
1: no, yeah, I agree. There was no,
0: like, plot twist except for the fact that this kid had died, but yeah. that's, like, the premise of the show, so I knew that was happening.
1: Yeah, and I just, I mean, I will, I'll never forget, like, Jodie Whittaker's, because the camera locks on her quite close yeah. in that scene,
0: Yeah.
1: and it, it's a it's a very kind of, it's, it's not an easy shot to watch, like, at all. You're yeah. kind of, and obviously, as an actress, I think that must be quite difficult, because you have you are everything in that shot there is nothing else that you you just have to react to this situation and i think she does it phenomenally
0: yeah
1: and there's there's bits in doctor who where she's doing like speeches and stuff and i think it's like ah this is a this is a broad church moment
0: no, um
1: I, but i i do think that it like the acting is top notch in this it's very very good and I, yeah, I'm just, i glad you liked it. Cause, yeah. cause <laughs> I would was... definitely
0: watch the rest of it. Yeah. I just need to find an accessible
1: Yeah, because it, it's, it's, it's one that I'm very surprised you didn't see. Because it is, I think it's a very you programme.
0: Yeah, but I wasn't really into crime drama at that point.
1: No, but is I it, thought it maybe really... would have been one you would have gone back to.
0: I don't really go back to them very often. Mm. I just kind of watch what's on. Okay. Because it's easily accessible. Whereas this one, like, again, ITV Player is the worst. Um...
1: I let's not go on a right. rant about how bad itv player is really, okay. like 4od four, four is not great but itv player is
0: all four all four, four.
1: that's showing my age it's, i still call yeah. it 4od i
0: know me too um anyway yeah onto my tv was yes your tv slightly more upbeat i guess i think or literally so... more upbeat
1: yeah <laughs> 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 okay.
0: so my tv was fossy burden Fosse slash Verdon is an American biographical miniseries starring Sam Rockwell as director and choreographer Bob Fossey and Michelle Williams as actress and dancer Gwen Verdon and it tells a story of their personal and professional relationship based on a biography called Fosse by Sam Wasson. It premiered in April last year 2019 on FX but I watched it on I think iPlayer.
1: Yes because I think FX and the BBC have a deal so why we also get Pose on iPlayer.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, and it's... Lots of very famous people are uh, in it and have yeah. about in the musical theatre world. Yes. Like Norbert Leo Butz. He was the original Fiero in Wicked. That's fun. Yeah. And in this he plays Paddy Chayevsky.
1: Yes. Like, Fosse's like best friend.
0: Oh, yes. Indeed. Didn't realise that. And, and Lin-Manuel Miranda was a producer. Yeah. Alex Lacamore was the theme music composer and he's, like, in that whole
1: world. Yeah, and Nicole Fossey, their daughter, was a consultant on it as well. Was she? Yes.
0: Interesting. Anyway, sorry I've been going on for a while. Well, what do you think?
1: I think this is one of those series that is very much kind of... If the central performances and the script around the central performances are weak, it completely collapses. Luckily, this isn't one of those and it's very, very good. Yeah. I think that Sam Rockwell and Michelle Williams are so enigmatic on screen together... I mean yeah. they're both great in everything but the parents. I actually
0: didn't realise it was Sam Rockwell. <laughs> like at all. No. At all.
1: Because he, he- and that's the thing is I feel like Sam Rockwell is one of those actors similar I think to someone like George Mackay who very much disappears into his roles and you're like oh it's you. Yeah. Oh, it's you.
0: I love that about
1: him. And I think- I think that's that's definitely his strength. I think Michelle Williams is fantastic. Equally another person who just kind of disappears. Yeah i i like how it's plotted and i like that you get these kind of like flash-ups like 19 years four years out from cabaret and the flash-up's are always different yeah but and it's very interesting and the first episode um so for example when i talked last week about having watched some when we were talking about don't fight with cats watching something that we had to watch with this and overtaking this was it i have watched more of this now because i do think it's very very good yeah and it's very watchable yeah Um, mostly i think because of the two essential performances but I think that the style's really good, is that it feels like a fossy like film. Um Cabaret is my favourite musical, so also that's good. It? It, yeah, that's that's got it going for me. Yeah. And I think Cabaret, the film, is one of the best film musicals ever made. Like
0: it is great.
1: Um I have a couple of issues, they're quite small issues, but I feel like it's it's kind of warranted, is when you are showing the filming of Cabaret, I think it was a brave decision to have the actress who is playing Liza Minnelli, which is Kelly Barrett, do her own singing
0: yeah i would have dubbed
1: that i i think that's that's one of the cases where i'm like this should have been dubbed um and i think that her singing herself well i think it she does a good kind of bliza impression it for me did pull me out slightly because you do i think because Gwen Verdon and bob fossey are less well known Mm -hmm. you are then pulled out of it yeah but i think that that's that's kind of a minor gripe for me
0: I I agree, it's like a, it's a small thing, but it slightly disrupts you.
1: Yeah. And I think also, I generally have an issue in film with flashbacks. Yeah. But I think the flashbacks in this work incredibly well.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I really enjoy them. And I think that they, they add a lot of kind of
0: detail. They're part of the plot rather than flashbacks. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's one flashback to explain everything. Like it's a specific technique that they're using over and over again. Yeah. To like highlight the difference Mm. between now and then and...
1: I think it's it's interesting that, like, Gwen Verdon at the time was as big a star as Bob Fosse, if not bigger when yeah. he started coming up. And yet today, we don't really know about her as... She's not, as, like, a household name. Yeah. And I think that, kind of, the exploration in this of, like, his reliance on her, mm. especially with Cabaret...
0: Well, it's <laughs> nice that they changed the name to Fossey Sutherland if the biography was called Fossey. Yeah. Because, obviously, it ends with him dying. Cause spoilers. Um... <laughs>
1: Oh no! Oh, he spoils no, 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 history.
0: History. Um, so it's still like his tale, I mm. guess. But it's so much about her that it doesn't feel like. Yeah. Yeah, they're just ignoring someone huge in his life.
1: It's why I think, kind of, with the recent awards that have been come through, when they've sort of done best actor and actress in a miniseries or limited series, both of them have been nominated. But Michelle Williams has consistently won everything, whereas Sam Rockwell has won a few of them. But yeah, not all not of, them. of them. I also think because Sam Rockwell it often a lot of the times the committee gets when they see us, which I haven't seen yet, and I keep meaning to start, but also yeah, it's not particularly done. a fun one to watch at Chernobyl.
0: Yeah.
1: And too. and Jared Harris in Chernobyl is amazing. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but I think that also just for me it's also the context that they put the stuff in. So with this first episode, the context of putting cabaret in the world of the end of the Vietnam War, yeah. which is not something I'd ever considered. Yeah. <clears throat> Is that big, kind of, brash, bright lights, 1960s, 50s musicals seem really out of touch with the times. And then so Fosse goes, no. I am getting these musical grungy and dark like you are in a Berlin nightclub. It is claustrophobic. It is... There are... I love the scene where he goes to the prostitutes. Yes. And, like, asks them to come. And I'm like, I really hope that actually happened.
0: Yeah, I feel like we need to read the biography. I know. know.
1: And it's just... It definitely made me want to like research more about this Hmm. and how each episode is very stylized with the particular thing that they're working on with that so episode four is very much kind of reminiscent of pippin especially the last number of pippin Mm -hmm. um and i'm yeah i'm just very excited to see where this is going i haven't finished it yet i think i've only watched the first five episodes um so i've got three to go cool so i haven't got to chicago yet i'm glad you enjoyed. it
0: it's really good
1: it's very very good
0: yeah yeah all the acting is good and Michelle Williams is a surprisingly good singer and dancer. Yes, I don't know if she's in like musicals, but in The Greatest Showman, to me, she's like the weakest singer. So
1: I, am not a big fan of I can't remember the Swedish Nightingale song. I'm not a fan of her.
0: Never enough.
1: I mean, also because I don't really like that's The Greatest dubbed. Showman very much.
0: That's dubbed. That's by an actual singer.
1: Oh, okay.
0: The... I really like that. I think she sings it quite well. She doesn't sing in an operatic style, but I think she sings. It I quite think
1: well. that's my issue with it is that the fact that like she's meant to be like an opera yeah, singer. But that's
0: just like bullshit the whole thing about, oh wow, opera, amazing and then she just doesn't sing opera at all. But equally, I think the song is sung well, if that makes sense. Whereas Michelle Williams's song I think is she I don't remember Michelle Williams' song. Never, exactly, but that's my point. Yeah, almost all the other Greatest Showman songs you could probably name. Because oh no! Like... See,
1: I know. I've only ever seen it once. I really disliked oh, I've only it. Only it once. I really disliked it. I didn't
0: really dislike it. I thought it was a bit of a shit plot.
1: Well, I think I think the issue is, is that with, we know we're now talking about we're meant to be talking about Fosse Vernon but with the Greatest Showman is that there is already a musical about P. T. Barnum. Yeah? Yeah, there's a mu- we did it in school. There's a musical called Barnum.
0: To be fair to them, that is not well known.
1: No, and this and this is the thing though is it's kind of like. I dunno, I I just yeah, do. it seemed really plastic as a film. Which yeah, I, I get was possibly kind the of point. I
0: enjoyed it. Like it's a terrible plot, it's, it sends terrible messages. But the songs are so like classic songs. I, I just I, wanna I, I sing I just, them. I thought they were quite meh. No, you agree.
1: Anyway, but so a
0: that, sorry, it's a film that i watched with for my boyfriend and he was like, This is shit and then I was singing a million dreams in the kitchen he was like that's a really good song where's that where have we had that before and i was like ah mm-hmm. i dare you for why
1: yeah but Fosty verdant is great and I, I i definitely recommend watching it and i i hope that po- the fx keeps bringing out these these fun things that they're doing like they've done pose which i love
0: i also like anything that's worn off at the moment i hate stuff with two series now yeah fuck off why ruin it to make Lim- one good series limited series
1: and if, if series two does not build on series one no no it shouldn't be there yeah agreed right. on two films
0: um yeah
1: in the continuation of sam's rogue choices um yeah. from from last week with spy to this week with i think there's no other way to introduce this but it's Shaun the sheep It's the Shaun movie the sheep. Shaun the Sheep the movie is a 2015 British stop motion animated adventure comedy film uh, based on the Arden character Shaun the Sheep, uh, more specifically based on the TV series that Shaun the Sheep appears in, which is set on a farm, rather than um, him uh, from appearing in Wallace and Gromit's A Close Shave. Um, It was directed by Mark Burton and Richard Starzak, and it's just pure joy, this film. This film makes me so happy, and I can guarantee it's not gonna be everyone's cup of tea but i watched this film all the way through with the biggest smile on my face it just it just made me very very happy i think it's really funny i think the animation it's aardman it's gonna be interesting and different but i just yeah i love this film what did you think
0: um i was underwhelmed i'm afraid um i really like. Like, Wallace and Gromit is one of my favourite things in the world. Um, I watched Wallace and Gromit over Christmas. I love it. My dad loves it. It's a big thing in my family. I can quote to you a lot of Wallace and Gromit. I love creature comforts. I like arm anim- animations in general. Um, I've never really bought into Sean the Sheep, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest with you, because I think he's cute, but I don't think he's that cute. I don't get the shtick about, like, no one talks. That annoys me. Because I think the dialogue mm-hmm. of Wallace and Gromit is part of why I find it very funny.
1: See, I, I think I like it is that they manage to say so much without actually having scripted dialogue. It's obviously there's a script, but like yeah, the, their are, expressions, and I just I find that I'm so like enchanting. The, of
0: the animation, I just didn't like it that much. Mm. It's like irritated me. I guess partly because I was watching it while doing something else as usual.
1: Because mm. I think it's similar to like if you think of something like early series or any other armament thing, is that there's lots of jokes in the background, mm. tons of them. And it's a lot of visual humour. It's a lot of referential visual humour. Mm-hmm. And obviously in a thing where there's no dialogue, you do have to be watching it. For it, I watched this on a bus. So I was on a bus. On I was going from Cardiff to London. Right. So four hours. Yeah. On a bus. Flew by. Absolutely flew by.
0: Yeah, I can see why. I I, I enjoyed it, but... I don't know. There's something about Wallace and Gromit that I just love. Yeah. And I didn't feel the same magic with this. I there were loads of good moments. Sean and his sheep are very cute. Like
1: Timmy's very cute the little baby. Boy. The little
0: baby sheep is cute. Like the when just they go, dress up as women, it's funny. Yeah. And like men, sorry, yeah, people. Um.
1: Where they where they kind of like do the sort of like classic three children in a trench coat, but with sheep.
0: The the idea that a sheep shearer would become famous for being a dresser because he shears like people like sheep. is yeah. amusing.
1: Um, I mean that that whole montage is. Great. Yeah. Because essentially the plot of this is that um, the farmer on Sean the Sheep's farm um, forgets who he is and goes into town because of an accident caused by Sean and the rest of the flock. Yeah. And then Sean and the flock try and rescue him.
0: Yeah, because he doesn't know who he is. Yeah. It raises some interesting questions about what is identity and should they really have taken him away from some a life that he was happy in?
1: Yeah. And, it's, and, you're, and you're kind of like... Like, this is not the questions I expected to be thinking about while watching Shaun the Sheep, the movie.
0: Yeah.
1: I know a lot of people who've seen the second one, and they say the second one's even better.
0: Farmageddon. Farmageddon. Yeah.
1: Which I'm just like, I I kind of just, on the title alone, I want to just applaud that. Because <laughs> I think that's brilliant.
0: Yeah. I just was left a little bit disappointed. It was a bit cold. Yeah. The humour seemed to be, like, as usual, very funny and, like, clever mm. and stuff, but... Not as unexpected or funny in the way that I like the usual stuff. I do think a lot of it comes from the characters that they create with their voices, mm-hmm. and he don't get that as much. We
1: well, don't get it at all because it's all
0: well. You get pe- you get people going. You get like
1: grunting and stuff. Yeah,
0: I know. It was shocking to me that there were like voice actors for this. It's great. Like oh to Julie, and I was like, what I mean, what do you mean? Like he's not in this.
1: I, l- I that's kind of why I love it is because it's also kind of a send up of like. A lot of animated films that are sold on the premise that they have a really famous cast yeah and this is like yeah we're gonna get all these kind of quite serious big name british comedians and you are going to mumble
0: yeah
1: and i, I love that about it
0: yeah i like that concept but i didn't like watching it oh
1: no it, it
0: frustrated me a lot
1: i just I, I i found this film like very uplifting very kind of it is quite childlike because it is a children's film
0: i suppose that's what it was i felt like i was watching something for an age group that was not me
1: yeah, but I also felt like it recaptured the childhood wonder that I got when I first watched A close Shave.
0: A close Shave is my least favourite of the Wallace and Gromit films, because I find really? it so stressful.
1: I think A close Shave...
0: That one, actually, close Shave and The Wrong Trousers.
1: Oh no, I think The Wrong Trousers before. is my favourite.
0: Really? Yeah. Like the Moon one.
1: No, The Moon one's my least favourite. And The Were-Rabbit. Oh, I do like The Were-Rabbit. And
0: A Matter of Life and Death, actually.
1: Oh, I haven't seen... I've only seen A Matter of Life and Death once. Oh, so good. But I, I, think, I think the moon one is my least favorite, and I think, I, I, don't know. I think I'm the opposite of you. Is the wrong trousers and a close shave are my favorites?
0: I find them too stressful. I
1: love, I love that they're slightly stressful and slightly tense.
0: I don't want the tenseness. I what I want is like, like when Gromit gets pushed out by that evil fucking penguin, that breaks my heart, and I don't want to watch that. No. I'm watching for the uplift. I'm not watching for this like oh no terrible moment where Wallace betrays Gromit. No. No, I'm not here. But I
1: think, I think also with this, with this like, there's there's moments that I actually think are, like, really kind of funny and heartfelt. Like, I like the idea of a goldfish in a pet empowerment lot. I
0: yeah. think that's really the funny. That whole pet was quite clever. Yeah. Cleverly done. <clears throat> I also enjoyed the sheep when they went to a restaurant and they weren't sure how to behave, so they just did everything that this other guy did. Yeah. Like, he accidentally dropped his fork and they, like, swept all the cutlery off the table. That was my favourite moment. It's, yeah. I... That was clever.
1: I just think it's it's very kind of British childhood humour, like obviously, yeah. because obviously again this is a film aimed at kids, but yeah. I, I definitely got loads out of this.
0: I, yeah, I got bits out of it, I just wouldn't watch it again, and I wouldn't really desperately lead to, I felt like I was watching CBeebies.
1: No, I- Usually
0: when I'm watching that kind of stuff I'm like, this is so clever.
1: No, I didn't think that at all i definitely thought that about quite a lot of other films like i definitely feel that about despicable me i love
0: despicable
1: me i think despicable me has some good moments but i just i can't stand the minions i really hate them
0: i used to love the minions and now i've kind of got off them because everyone loves them but at the time i remember loving them i had a minion cake when i was 16
1: i think i think again because i didn't see despicable me until i think second year of uni
0: yeah
1: and i i hadn't even had that attached to it and I just was like you know what this is fine
0: oh I really like this book for me I think that but I like the voice acting See, I like having mm. lines I can quote like one of my favorite things about movies is quoting the lines so mm. I guess you can't do that with Shaun the Sheep so it frustrated me mm. and then I felt like every scene I was looking for what would happen if that made sense because there's not like lines that you can, you can't like there's not gonna be conversations that take an unexpected turn. Yeah. So it was just like, what gag is going to be made here? Ah oh, yes. They're going to dress up in this charity shop like people. Mm. I just felt like it was it became predictable because every scene I was looking for it. I like the bit where the sheep sing. Yeah. That was my second favourite See, movie. I wasn't
1: I don't think I was ever looking for the gags.
0: Oh, I, I, I wasn't
1: actively looking because and that's the thing is I in in films with kind of the big celebrity voice casts. I look for the gags and I'm like, oh, this is going to be this. This is going to be really lazy. And I like, I think. Well, I
0: didn't mean, I didn't understand what you mean by that. Like,
1: A Secret Life of Pets, which is basically, to- what if Toy Story happened with pets and it doesn't work? It's.
0: Yeah, I know. I've just seen Secret Life of Pets and like it was- I took my little brother and it was like. One of fine. Was, like, fine, enjoyable films, but like not good but I don't understand what you mean by like you're looking for gags when people are voice actors I
1: think I think because it's like oh you're basically building this off the personality of the person that's voicing the character right. so Enzygla Pets the bunny that's voiced by Kevin Hart Oh it's yeah. like this is going to be a Kevin Hart character that is a bunny yeah great here are all of the Kevin Hart jokes that I mean and that was what I liked about this was that because there was no voice to nail it to it was very much based around the plot it wasn't based around oh this is kind of the character, the actor that is playing the character, therefore the script is going to away from that, yeah. and that's what I really I liked guess about this. Because
0: Wallace and Gromit doesn't do that anyway. Mm. Like I've never seen it do something predictable. With and I think character. the best
1: animation doesn't do it. Yeah. Like
0: you
1: look looking then, at something like Inside Out.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which made me less like appreciative of that because I was like, well, good animation shouldn't do that anyway. Mm. So, but now I'm just looking at every scene to be like, what funny thing will you do with sheep here? I don't know. It was fi- like as in it was a fine film. But it was
1: one you could appreciate. And you could, could see why people the quality really liked
0: it. Of the animation, but I don't really get why you're so obsessed with it. Fair. To be honest. Okay. It was quite a, like meh film for me.
1: I now know how you feel when I said that about Peaky Blinders. I okay,
0: think.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm slightly crushed by that because I I really liked this film a hell of a lot. I'm now just i just thinking about moments again. I'm like yeah. It's great fun. Loved it. If
0: I ever have kids, I'll watch it with them, and maybe I'll see why the so. See the light. Yeah. Anyway,
1: anyway your film. Into
0: my film, um, which is another serious one from me. It's another serious one from you. Yes. Um. It's the two popes. The two popes is a twenty nineteen biographical drama film. Oh, it's exactly almost the description of my TV series how oh interesting yeah. um, it's directed by Fernando Mireles and written by Anthony McCartan adapted from a play called The Pope by Anthony McCartan which also premiered in 2019 that's mad um, it was predominantly set it's predominantly set in the Vatican City in the aftermath of the Vatican League scandal and it's about Pope Benedict the 16th who's played by Anthony Hopkins as he's trying to convince Cardinal Jorge Mario Bergoglio, who is um, later Pope Francis, Mm -hmm. current Pope, and played by Jonathan Price, and he's trying to convince him to reconsider his decision to resign as an archbishop. And he talks about how he's going to abdicate the papacy. So it's essentially centred around this conversation that these two popes had. And obviously it's very rare for two popes to have a conversation because like, knowing that both of them might be Pope because usually no one abdicates no and it won lots of like nominations and things most critics.
1: notably for Price and Anthony Hopkins yeah
0: yeah for the two main people um yeah and it's in Spanish and English so it's like half and half almost mm. um what mm. did you think?
1: um I think we were talking last week about Tonally Confused, and I think this is a really good example of something that is a tonal mess. Mm -hmm. Like, there is a good film in this film.
0: Yeah.
1: It is not the two popes. Because for me, it couldn't decide whether it wanted to be a serious conversation between two popes about the differing theologies within the Catholic Church, and how one is called to being a priest, and how one's actions affect that person becoming pope. Or... Whether it wanted to be this campy, behind-the-scenes drama about the Pope and the person who's going to eventually replace him. Like, there were so many scenes that I almost created a tonal whiplash.
0: Why? What do you mean by that? Because I don't know if I agree.
1: So, for example, there's a scene where um, Pope Benedict and Cardinal Bergoglio are sitting in Pope Benedict's summer residence in the living room. And for, for 20 minutes... It's just Anthony Hopkins playing the piano and talking about music. And I'm just like I just kind of want to scream narrative cul de sac at it because
0: No, but it's about the characters of them, isn't it? It is about
1: the characters, but I didn't feel like it added to it. I felt like it really flabbed the film down.
0: I mean I agree that this film is flabby.
1: It's it is it is flabby and also in place it is really fucking hammy. Like the bit where they are having pizza in the back room of the Sistine Chapel I'm oh, like I like that thing. I I was I hope
0: that actually happened I
1: I think I think that was that was towards the end of the film where I was pretty switched off I'm not gonna lie
0: no I also switched off at some point during this film And I, I think just the, thought you might like it <laughs> the thing is
1: I feel like the best bits are when Hopkins and Price are having those debates about kind of what it means to be Pope, what it means to be a Cardinal what it means to like interpret like Catholicism in the wake of this massive scandal yeah, and I'm just there like, this is what I wanted the film to be, and it just
0: yeah, those bits were the most
1: interesting. And bits. I, I also I think I was interesting like looking at Fosse Verdon where the the flashbacks I think really service the plot. Um, I think the flashbacks in this there are two big ones. There's, um, Cardinal Bergoglio deciding to become a priest. Yeah. Um, And then there is Colonel Bergoglio under the military hunter in Argentina. The first is so fucking pointless in the plot, Uh and I cannot believe that it has the same weight as, kind of, the Cardinal's questionable actions under a military dictatorship. And... That for yeah, me. Yeah, it
0: does feel very random what they decided to put in. Yeah. And
1: it and it's sort of the the first flashback is filmed kind of like sort of like one of those 1940s like high romance films. And I'm like, why? Why is it doing this? When there is, this is the thing is that you lose 40 minutes from this film, you lose the first flashback, you lose a lot of the hammy behind the scenes stuff. I like this, the behind the scenes stuff. I think it would be a really tight, interesting drama.
0: I mean, it should be like, they should, I, if I were them, I would have made it almost like 12 Angry Men. Exactly. So like, I would have started with, I love the bits that are in the Vatican City yeah. and show the process behind voting for Pope. I, that I think that's fascinating, the yeah. Bits. Um... So, I would have had that at the beginning, and Benedict being nominated, and then like Mm. a bit of new, like all the news story about like outbreaks, and then I would have set all the rest of it, which is what I thought it was, of them in the garden. In the Summer
1: Palace, yeah. And just
0: talking. And it would have just been them talking.
1: I And basically having it out.
0: And then maybe...
1: And then you do need the abdication and the ascension of... Oh no, and then Francis. the end
0: of it would have been Yeah. the abdication and the ascension of Francis. Like, obviously, because then you'd get the link at the beginning and the end yeah. and stuff. I slightly agree in terms of it should have been... Um, questioning the Catholic faith more and it was like mm. oh we're also going to talk about Argentina which is obviously an important thing. Yeah. I was like I kind of didn't watch this for a biography of Francis. No. Like I wasn't interested in that. I'm interested in what happens when you have two very men different who believe in the types. same thing and believe in totally different yeah. things at the same time.
1: One thing I did though have an issue with is that they like because of again it's a drama you have to have them as diametrically opposed and they kind of initially I think until the second flashback present Pope Francis is this very, like, dyed-in-the-wall liberal, which he isn't. No, I don't he think is, he, he, is de- much de- more... he is
0: presented like that, I, I think really at that's... some point he goes I agree with you, because mm. Benedict's like, why are you saying that, like, gay people should be allowed in and stuff? Uh, well, there's something like that, where Benedict's accusing Francis of being too liberal about something that, obviously, most of us would consider pretty non-liberal, yeah, like, pretty, pretty just, central, like, basic yeah. stuff. Um, and I'm pretty sure Francis says, but you, you, we want to get them in the faith, so... so that's mm, what, But he never says he agrees with that. He never says it's mm, a good thing. But I think, I so think I kind of thought never that was He says it, so but invigy- I definitely think
1: the framing in this, of Pope Francis, especially in the first half, is a major issue.
0: But he is more of a liberal Pope. He is, he
1: like, is, like, is more he of a, a liberal Pope. Is. But, again, he's still the Pope.
0: No, but I think they make that clear.
1: And I, I, see, I really don't think they do until the second half. Because I think they basically use flashback two to be like, oh, wait, no... He's not as liberal as you think. Ooh. and well, he's I just. It, uh,
0: so obviously he's not. I tough know, tough.
1: and I, I did either want this film to delve deeper and just to be this conversation with them, and it's when kind of I remember talking to someone and they were saying, "Oh, the script to it is amazing," and I get halfway through the film and there was a, then one line that I went, "That is a great line." Which was? Which was I think it's confession cleans the sinner of the soul it does not help the victim when they're talking about like the child abuse scandal yeah. and that I was like that is the first great line in this film and I looked at the time and I was like I'm over an hour in why are people sort of say raving about this script because it was for me is this I think one of the big problems is the script the script is clunky as all hell
0: I thought there were good moments there were like good yeah, moments but it's,
1: it's surrounded by a lot of fat it just you're kind of it needs to go to Weight Watchers this film and lose 40 minutes like do couch to 5k
0: no but i agree it's like it could have lost a lot and it's i think the only reason it survives is because of the main actors. yeah jonathan price and anthony hopkins are such good actors
1: and they are very good in this but i also think that the film is so obvious in place towards the end you have pope francis giving a speech before he becomes pope as a cardinal in argentina and you have people saying no you're a supporter of the military regime, blah, 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 blah we're not going to listen to you. Yeah. And then the speech is that all how we're divided. How are we going to show that people are divided in the most obvious visual metaphor possible? Ooh, let's have some walls. And it's just... It, it was like there is hand holding someone through a drama, and then there is beating them over the head with the metaphor until you cannot see the metaphor anymore because you are so over it. Come on. And I get the Them having pizza at the back of the Sistine Chapel is meant to be this sort of moment of when they're like, yes, they're just like us, they're just ordinary people. And I was like, but they're not. One of them is the Pope. The other is about to become the Pope.
0: But they emphasise that by the fact that they're in the Sistine Chapel. I know,
1: but it just... It, for me, felt very kind of rammed in and
0: forced. I know what you mean, mm. but I thought that was important, that you know, it's like, A, it's like a cute little moment between the two, and it does show that they're not diametrically opposed, which I think would have been very much easier for them to do, is to be, mm. like, liberal versus non-liberal, and actually, I think it's quite important to show that people who believe in different things, although they believe in the same thing, underlyingly get on.
1: Yeah. Just that's... like, I
0: like political dramas that show that, like, people in different political parties are good friends, like, mm. very, very good friends, like... There are people who get on with each other... Like, Jacob Rees-Mogg, I'm pretty sure, has friends in the Labour Party. Mm. Like, that happens. And I think that was a good moment in terms of that. And I also think it was good because of what came after when they walk out into the Sicilian Chapel. Which is that whole thing of, like, whether you want to become Pope because of what it looks like mm. to other people, or you want to become Pope because of what it does. And that is a massive difference between the two of them, it feels like. Because... There's Benedict with all his, like, posh clothes and shit. Mm. And Francis is like, I don't need that. Like, so it's very cool. Because I do, I I do think
1: that, like, I did get that from the film. I just didn't need a lot of the, kind of, the hammier scenes in it. Like, yeah. all the scenes of Bergoglio watching football. There yeah. were at least four scenes of Bergoglio watching football. But
0: it is, like... Yeah, I agree. I, I continue to agree that it's blabby, but I don't think that the hammy scenes, like, ruin this. I think it's more...
1: I wouldn't say they ruin it. I think they definitely just detract from the whole.
0: In essence, but I, li- I quite liked the uh, the fact that yeah, like if you're mm. the Pope, you do just like you don't give mm. up your life. But
1: it's in- it's interesting. You do I think. Give up your
0: life, but you don't give up like your love of pizza and football.
1: Yeah, but I think there is there is one moment of those that works really well, which is right at the end where Benedict and Bergoglio do the tango. Yeah,
0: that's
1: that is that is the moment I was like. Oh, yeah. that's what all of these these moments are trying to do.
0: Yeah. And I
1: don't I I I don't think you needed those if you just had the one of them tangoing, because I think you still and also because it comes at the end, it's much more of a kind of like, and here we are. Yeah. It's almost like they're just now in the right gear and then and it's thinking, oh, but it's the end of the film. Had you not had them having pizza, watching football, playing the piano, like wandering around the garden, like pointlessly before the actual conversation starts, talking about Oregano yeah i i was just overall quite disappointed
0: yeah no i remember thinking the same because everyone raved mm. about it and i thought it'd be interesting but there are bits that are interesting.
1: there are bits that are interesting i agree with that but i think as a whole drama it the the whole is not equal to the sum of its parts yeah i think and there are definitely parts of this that really for me just just don't work Unfortunately, but oh well, as we progress now, to scores on the doors,
0: scores on the doors, we'll, we
1: we'll... First up, Broadchurch. What did you give, Broadchurch? Nine. I also gave it nine. I think it's excellent.
0: Yeah, it's very, very good. I look forward to watching the rest eventually.
1: Yes, I think it's definitely worth it. Um, for the
0: burden, I gave
1: an eight. Oh, interesting. I gave it 8.5. I I think that the central performances are so good.
0: Yeah.
1: It for me, even the issues that I do have with it, it just pushes it slightly above them.
0: Yeah, I think their performances are excellent. I just it's not something that I'm going to watch again. No. And I I kind of feel like it has to be that to go up to nine.
1: Agreed. Sure, the sheep movie, I'd stand by the score. I'm going to give it nine. I think it's great. I give it a six. Which makes me very sad, but we can agree to disagree. Yeah. And then the two popes.
0: Um I gave it a seven because I don't know, maybe I should lower it. I do think the main performances are really good. There are scenes that stick out to me. The idea like I liked quite liked that they set it in Argentina for bits of it mm-hmm. and just talked in Spanish. I think that's a good progression yeah. of film that we can do that now and we didn't seem to be able to do that mm. before. Um, yeah. No, I'll stick with it.
1: I gave it five. I, yeah, I, I, I think it's got some serious problems. Yeah. Um, but now if we return to the leaderboard, I don't actually think anything's much going to be troubled. Well, Broadchurch
0: will probably be... Broadchurch, up. I think, yeah. is going to be
1: up there. Um, definitely for TV. Uh, if you look at TV... Yeah, Broadchurch is up there. It's equal with The Marvelous Mrs Maisel and Happy Valley. Um, it's not in our top TV, which is still um the west wing chernobyl and inside number nine as the top three oh, good, like which i'm i very happy as the top three with mm-hmm. line of duty taking fourth
0: yeah.
1: um and i think the bottom of the leaderboard again not really troubled by any of that stuff yeah i did i did for me with the two pokes what was really interesting was i originally gave it i originally gave it six when i was kind of like i do like a running tally. I was halfway through, I was like, six, if this improves. Mm-hmm. And then when I thought about it more, the bits that annoyed me in the first half annoyed me even more. So then I put it down to four, and I was like, <laughs> it's not that bad, and I've moved it up to five. Right. So next week, because it's an episode that ends in a three, it's a special. Yay,
0: wow. what a rogue decision from
1: us. So we've already done a role reversal special, which was episode three. Then we did Prestige Week, which is episode 13. And now...
0: It's our sibling selection.
1: Special. So, we've asked my sister Grace
0: and my brother Will
1: to pick TV and film for the two of us to watch. Had you seen any of this before?
0: No, I asked him specifically for stuff that yeah, I have not seen
1: before. Same. And I'm.
0: That would have been cheating. I, I think it would have been cheating. I would have been like, oh yeah, I've seen this times no. before.
1: So, Grace has picked for our TV, for, for my selection, she has picked a recent Channel 4 series called Deadwater Fell
0: lovely and um my brother's picked seinfeld which he's told me about a million times to watch which um, is a,
1: a classic
0: a classic and one of his favorite sitcoms yeah
1: and then for films grace gone down the animated route she's chosen book of life
0: cool and um will's gone down the non-animated route <laughs> and picked no country for old men which again is something he's told me i should watch about a million times and i've never got around to yeah. it so
1: And I am excited for both of those.
0: Yeah, we'll see you next week. Um, Before then, you can find us on social media. We have Instagram at Please Don't Make Me Watch. We're on
1: Twitter at Don't Make Me Watch.
0: Um, We are accessible via email. Please don't make me watch at gmail.com.
1: You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and all good other podcast providers.
0: Uh, Yeah, please like, rate, and subscribe. Get in touch if you have something to say. And
1: if you have any suggestions for us to watch, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.